Instead, a little bit and developed a, developed a friendship there. I'm grateful. Make sure, when, whenever you go overseas, always make sure that you mesh well with your hosts. I mean, my dad can tell horror stories of basically people that came from America and were jerks. I know in one case, uh, in one case, Pastor Tom Tierney, who runs the Japan Bible Home, he had some Americans coming over to serve in the sense of lumber and carpentry and all that. And they went over and they wouldn't listen to a thing he said. They messed up everything. Then they left. And he basically had to tear off the roof and redo it all on and all. So, I mean, if you're not careful, you can go over and, make, and leave things worse than when you came. So just I, you know, keep a humble spirit. Go over and make sure that you're used. Uh, my, my, the point of my going over there was to teach New Testament intro to the seminary. I had two students. Uh, pastor Nyaga, who's a, a pastor there, I got to preach in his church, and then Phyllis, who is a, an older lady, married, but just was taking it for personal enrichment. Pastor Nyaga took it for credit. He had to graduate. And that was a, it was a very informal class, and we had a fun time, I think. Um, I almost felt, though, that like the main reason I was going over there was just to preach. I don't get to preach too often. I get to preach once to you all. And, and, uh, and a couple times to the teens, I think, and maybe once or twice to primary throughout. So preaching is a secondary thing for me. I'm no Billy Sunday, and I know that. So, but I, I was especially praying just to be used to the Lord for preaching. I preached six times, uh, twice in chapel, twice Sunday morning, twice Sunday evening, plus a Wednesday night Bible study, plus uh, there's something else I did. But I don't, oh, Thursday night Bible study, plus two Sunday school lessons. And definitely, I, I was losing my voice a couple times. I started over, I started out with a cold anyways. But the Lord was just gracious. Like, at, at no point did I feel it hinder the ministry. And I drank a lot of tea, and Mrs. Halstead was very good at that and making sure I had all sorts of tea ready and, and so forth. So, so that was, uh, I, I, I definitely felt expended when I, when I left and that was good. It was, a, it was just a privilege to be used in a, in a foreign... I, one of the things I was praying for as I was finishing up my degree at Southeastern was just I wanted to end up at a place where I could at least occasionally minister overseas. I mean, we are all responsible for the Great Commission. And especially I feel that everybody at least once in their life needs to make a missions trip, probably multiple times in their lives, I think. And I just, you know, I, I hadn't done that since basically 2004. I hadn't been able to minister overseas in any way in 2004. And one of the things even coming to BCM, I think I even asked this in an interview, you know, will there be opportunities for me to serve overseas occasionally? And of course the answer was yes. And boy, is there ever opportunities at BCM. Uh, so if, if you're not able to minister overseas in your career at BCM, that's your fault probably. So... Uh, because the opportunity is definitely there. And I, I am just grateful for that opportunity and, I, and, uh, and grateful for what, what the Lord was able to accomplish over there. So, right. thank you. 114 in your songbooks. <clears throat> Preach the word. This will be for Dr. Paul. Preach the word. When truth has fallen in the streets and mockers scoff and scorn. Preach the word. Let's stand together. forth when saints begin to see their need. That's us. Now listen, when we get to the chorus, there's a marked difference there. 
We sing, when prayer ascends with confidence, his promises to claim, then cry aloud. And we need to do that now, even as we sing. All right, on the fourth. When saints begin to see their need and call upon God's name, when simple thought is that you can look at someone fairly quickly in most cases and have an idea of what they believe. Uh, it's just the way it is in our culture throughout history, especially though in America with all of the uh, media uh, and advertising pressure that there are just way, things that people choose and how they groom themselves, how they dress, how they walk, what they do that tells you, hmm, uh, sort of know what group they're associated with. And you're not even being critical when you do it. It just is. In fact, you can, uh, fashion magazines will tell you how to dress for this, how to dress for this. And uh, there are certain protocol, obviously, for men in corporate, uh, the corporate world, those that are on Capitol Hill, uh, there's certain protocol for different uh, other professions and how they dress. And uh, then there's all of the different fads that come up that, you know, it's amazing. Young people want to be independent and they want to do their own thing and yet they are totally bound by the peer group that they're part of and have to march their drum. I mean, they, they just die if they don't have the right shoes, the right, uh, even the right labels uh, so that they fit into their crowd. 
the crowd. So we all know that, and I could preach a message on dress. That's not, you can breathe a sigh of relief. That's not where I'm going here today. I'm talking today about your, your dress as far as the reality of your relationship with Christ. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Now, I trust this will be an encouraging message to you because I'm going to just teach for a little while and go over truths. Many of you know them. Some of you may not be as familiar with them. Uh, but they're very important truths in getting a hold of who you are in Christ and what that should mean in the choices that you make. We read in verse 8 of chapter 3. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, one of the great truths of our salvation is that something profound happened to us when we got saved. So often we just think of the fact, I am now saved from wrath to come, and that's a big deal. And I am going to be with the Lord in heaven when I die. Well, that would be enough, frankly. But here on this earth, something very definite happened to you. When you were born, you were born a child of Adam. You were born dead in trespasses and sins. You were cut off from God. Now, God, obviously, from the minute you were conceived on, was working to bring you to himself. But as far as your spirit is concerned, it was spiritually dead. And its destiny was judgment unless salvation came. Now, that's a pretty striking thing. Now, let me stop and make a side application, especially for you moms, but dads need to get a hold of this, you future moms and dads, and that is... That cute little child in your arms is in real trouble. Now, I do personally believe before they get to an opportunity to really know how to trust the Lord, I do believe they'll be with the Lord. That's my own personal opinion. I feel very strongly about it. But as soon as they do understand, and that's sooner than we realize, their destiny is hell without salvation. And so we cannot... Uh, overlook that when we have children. Plus, if they do not get saved soon, if their naturally rebellious, willful direction is not corrected even prior to salvation, and then if they do not get saved, they will start heading the wrong direction. And even if they do get saved, if they are not taught and led to surrender to God, that fleshly nature is just disastrous. That's why, folks, you have a Las Vegas shooting. That's why you have wars going on. I'm telling you, you have no idea how many countries right now people are living in fear. Many of the countries in Africa, many of the countries in Asia, even Eastern Europe. Uh, you know, we forget about Ukraine. They're under horrible pressure with Russia bearing down upon them. I mean, everywhere you turn, you go throughout Mexico and you find the gangs and the awful problems of... Uh, even a somewhat civil unrest in the southern part of Mexico. I mean, these are very real issues. The human nature is a horrible thing. If you've ever seen it in action, 
in violence, it, you never quite get over it. It's a terrible, terrible thing. That's why men that go to war, you know, talk about the post-war syndrome, it's not, that's not made up. That's a very real thing. Uh, people that were at the Las Vegas shooting and uh, had to get out and were helping other people and all, I mean, they still can't, they have a very difficult time talking about it because to see evil in the face uh, and see it for what it is, is is a major thing. So we have to understand that. And so uh, as, if God allows you to be a parent from the very beginning, you need to be very serious and understand biblical parenting principles. And that's why we have a whole class on that in your final couple of years, because you've got to realize that you, you're counteracting a really major problem. And every child that is born is, is a major crisis, which can be won by the grace of God, every one. So it's exciting. But I, getting back here to this is that the old man is cut off from God. And when we are saved, a glorious thing happens. And that is that we are born from above. We experience the new birth. Now, we talk about this so much, sometimes I, I think we lose the depth of what that means. You are a new creation. You are no longer a child of Adam in your spirit. You are a child of God. That's a big difference. You no longer have that curse in your spirit. You still bear it in your body, and you will get a new body, but you are a new man. You are regenerated. You have been given life in the place of spiritual death. Now let me stop for a minute. Let that settle in. That's really exciting. I don't care what problems you have today. you got it made, folks. I mean, your salvation is so rich and so good. Really, it's really sad for us to get discouraged. Just think about the rest of the world, and you're saved. You have eternal life, and you have eternal life dwelling in you. Your eternal life, by the way, started when you were saved, not when you go to heaven. You are living eternal life, and you have the privilege of living in the heavenlies. Because you are now a child of the new Adam, 1 Corinthians 15. You are now joined with his life. You are now part of his race. You are a new man. You are a new creation. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. It's a glorious reality. You'll hold your place here just back a couple of pages to a parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 4. We find similar language used here, Ephesians chapter 4, and by the way, the applications are very similar too. It's, it's good to study both of these passages, but let me just begin at verse 22 of chapter 4, that she put off conform, concerning the former lifestyle conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that she may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, I think when we read both those passages, there's one because of the way it's phrased here in this translation. I think that we do sometimes misunderstand that we're putting off the old and we're making ourselves new. No, you are new. You're putting off that which was part of the old the, ramp, the life that you lived when you were lost in trespasses and sins, 
and you're putting on that which is that which should be indicator of who you really are, and that's really the essence of what I'm talking about. Now, I want you to look in verse 24. What's the characteristic of your spirit now? That you are born again, a child of God, a child of the new Adam. What is the characteristic of your spirit now? You are created in what? Now, say it together. You are created in? Every one of you are perfect in your spirit. Now let that sink in. Many of you have heard me give this illustration. A number of years ago, I was dealing with a drug addict that also had uh, psychotic problems. That's really tough. It's really tough. Pretty beat up guy. And he just, God was working in his heart, and he, he truly was saved. There's no doubt about it, but he just said, I'm a mess. There's no hope for me. And he just said, look at me. I'm, you know, and even the way he looked, it was just sad. It was tragic. And God just brought Ephesians 4.24 to my mind. I said, yes, but I'm also looking at a man that's righteous and holy. He said, not me. I said, yes, you. <laughs> and I went over these truths with him, and a light came in his eye. He said, I get it. I get it. The real me is holy and righteous. And God turned his life. It was amazing. He got rescued. Uh, I mean, he began to, to work for the Lord in a different uh, Another city, it was just exciting. And uh, he's had to continue to battle through things, but he got it. And it's really exciting, and I want you to get it. Now, just think about this. Was the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit going to move into an, a sinful spirit? Can the Holy Spirit dwell in sin? The answer is no. So the, the fact the Holy Spirit dwells in you shows you the perfection of your new birth. You're, you spiritually, that part of you that God created to dwell with him forever, that spirit is, is regenerated. It has perfect life. You have the righteousness and holiness that was imputed to you by Jesus Christ. All of it was his work. And your spirit is such a new creation that the holy God can indwell it. That's another thing you got to sit, sit down for a while and think about. Now, we get this idea, I'm just, you know, on the one side we can be self-dependent. On the other side we can say, you know, I'm just a mess. Well, you are, and so am I. But that's, when it comes to our spirit, no. I'm looking at people who in the essential part of who you are, you're righteous. Now, think about it. This is a group of people who are righteous and holy because God gave it to you. You really are. Listen, there's no way in the world you could go to heaven if you weren't. You have been transformed in your spirit. It's a glorious thing. That's why if you die right now, and even if you're not right with God, God's going to take you to heaven because your spirit is holy. The Holy Spirit has sealed you. You have eternal life. It's settled. It's done. Hallelujah. That's why this performance assurance stuff is so sad. No, it's Jesus that saved you. It's what he did uh, that we get our assurance on the basis of the word of God. And we, we simply cried out to him. He saved us. And uh, we don't keep ourselves saved. You've never earned anything. You never will earn anything. It was a miracle of God's grace. You are a new creation. Now, I could stop right there. That should be enough to encourage you today. Okay. I mean, really, that is a big deal. And now, be honest with me, do you often think of yourself that way? 
No, because you know the deceitfulness of your soul. <laughs> you know, your mind, will, and emotions, and you realize, ooh, boy, do I still have characteristics of the old man, okay? Now, the point, going back to Colossians chapter 3, is that since you are so gloriously saved, since it is such a miracle, don't you think you ought to look like it? And I'm not talking clothing here, though that would be part of it. I'm just talking person. Don't you think the outward living of your life ought to be a dramatic, a glorious billboard to the fact, hey, everybody, I'm a new creation. I am in my spirit because of Jesus perfectly holy. In fact, I'm so holy, God's able to dwell in me. You see, when people get a hold of that, those are the people that just, you can't stop them from witnessing. You can't stop them from giving their lives to the Lord because they are so overwhelmed by their new creation that they are not looking at life from a human perspective. And you find this appeal on a number of occasions. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is another very strong one in light of eternity, the judgment seat of Christ, and that we're to manifest Christ now in us and to show forth the reconciliation that we have in him. Now here's the point. You are a new man. I think everybody here, we have clear testimonies. Everybody in this room, isn't it wonderful? We have a room that's full of totally 100% saved people. That's a very wonderful thing. Now, um, every one of you are new creations. But not all of us live like we're a new creation because we still have the, our soul, which can be, if we allow it, affected by our sinful nature or controlled by the new man, the Holy Spirit in the new man. It's our choice how we live. Now, here's the good news. You know, we talk about the gospel, the good news. We talked about what it meant for, for um, people that needed a Savior. But you know the word gospel is also for, for Christians. You've got good news. The good news is that your new man can control the influences of your sinful nature that are left behind in your imperfect soul and body. You have a perfect spirit, and that perfect spirit can control you. In fact, we've got to get the right concept here. My father used to mention over and over that when he was growing up, there was a very bad illustration that was given, and I've heard it um, in my days, that gives a wrong concept of this. They talk about that uh, there was a Native American chief, and he talked about, and there's some truth to this, but he talked about what's going on inside of him as a Christian. And so... His new man is a white dog, and his old man is a black dog, and whichever one you feed can control the other one. But what does that give you the perspective of? They're equal, right? Well, number one, the old man ain't there, so that's a good part of it. Now, we still got the sinful nature, which is not your spirit being the old man, okay? And I don't know fully how to explain that, except that we still are depraved in that sense, but our spirit is perfect. Now, this is a better illustration. You know, it's irritating when somebody's sitting, if you, and you may remember, remember the old spitwad um, classroom? 
or a pea shooter type thing, you know, all of a sudden, oh! You know, and you didn't want to get in trouble, you know, so you try to keep yourself, uh, but uh, don't look so pious. I mean, I, uh, in fact, I know some of you well enough to know the classrooms that, or you threw something, you know, you threw a wadded up piece of paper, doink, you know, it wasn't that bad, but, you know. Folks, that's what your flesh is like. And your spirit, which is empowered by the spirit of the living God, is like a massive latest tank that, you could, that we have in the United States. You got on one side a pea shooter, and you got on the other side this massive tank with uh, unbelievable weapons in it. And that's not even, the, it should be probably atomic bomb on the one side and a pea shooter on the other side. Okay? I'm not exaggerating. Now, I'm telling you, when you get a hold of that, it's shout and grab. You are thinking too highly of your sinful nature. Now, you need to be aware of it. Oh, man, does Satan love. He knows he's a master at getting you in the flesh. The reason it seems so big, folks, is this. When you're not fully right with God, it is big because it's controlling you. Okay? When you have a bad attitude. When you aren't willing to submit to God's will. When you've got a relationship you don't want to give up. You know, whatever it is that is holding you back from full surrender, all of a sudden causes the flesh to have control. So if you live long enough in the flesh, does the flesh seem like a big tank or an atomic bomb? Doesn't, doesn't it? I mean, honestly, even in this last week, a number of you have fainted in your heart because you have thought, I'm never going to change. See, that's a lie. The problem is not the fact that your flesh is so strong. It's your will has not been yielded. Okay? Get a hold of that. Because it says, put on, put off. It is your will that is the matter. And the Holy Spirit has the power to control your will if you're even willing by the way, let me just say this. It is okay to pray, Lord, make me willing. Lord, I am so confused, but I want deliverance. You'll get it. You'll get it. Okay. So we have to understand in the things that we face that we have the victory case closed if we want it. And so the idea of putting off is... I'm no longer the old man. I'm not controlled by it. You know, an illustration that I've heard from a preacher is uh, working for a boss that just made you miserable and you just felt so controlled by that boss. And uh, I mean, they made you do all kinds of stuff and you kept working because you were desperate to work there and all of a sudden you finally found another job and you quit. Now, when you got the new job, you had a new boss, but he's a good boss. Everything goes well. Now, is that boss, the old boss going to come over to your door and say, hey, you've got to still do all this? No, unless he's got problems, but I mean, all things considered. Uh, but no, you are freed from the old boss. Okay? And so the old man doesn't exist. You still have the sinful tendencies, but you're a new man. You are a new creation. That's you. And so the choice of your will to simply say, Lord, 
I don't need to listen to my old man. The, 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 what was part of my old man before, I don't need to listen to my sinful tendencies. I don't need to feel faint-hearted about that. All I need to do is turn to you, and I will get the victory. We are more than conquerors. And so we've got to understand that it is not equal. You do not have to cave in. The flesh is strong, but it is no match for the spirit. Now let's look at what I read here for just the last couple of minutes here in Colossians 3. Now put you also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. By the way, I did not mention, but the word to put off the old man and to put off the new man are different. The old man is something you can do permanently, and you have the new man that you can live out. But I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of that. Um, and so uh, we've got to realize that if we yield to the Lord, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is holy, and he does not get angry the wrong way. He doesn't lose his temper. God does not have malice. In other words, doing what, whatever it takes to hurt somebody else. He does not blaspheme, say things that are opposed to that which is true in God, doesn't have filthy communication, doesn't lie, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And so all you have to do is, even though you feel weak, depend upon the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does not do these things, neither does your spirit. Now, let's just talk about this for a minute. After you got saved and you got upset like you did before you got saved, some of you were older when you got saved, so you may remember this, before you were saved, it didn't bother you that much. After you got saved, it bothered you. Well, you got a conscience, that's part of it, but also it's no longer who you are. And so you have this disconnect now because you are now a new man and the Spirit of God and your spirit says, uh-uh, that's not who we are. That's not who you are. You should be living out righteousness and holiness. And so it is, a, it is these characteristics of what it was like before we're saved, what's characteristic of this unregenerate world cannot be part of us. Now, I want to, to just, I want you to get a hold of this, and this is really one of the essential things that I want you to see, that it's never right to lose your temper. It is never right to gossip. It is never right to be ugly about somebody. It is never right to lie. You know that. All of these things are characteristic of a self-centered very wicked, rebellious spirit that you had before salvation. So every time you let yourself live in the flesh long enough that you're controlled by the flesh, you are contradicting who you are. And you're giving a very bad message about how great your salvation is. Now, folks, if you can learn to grieve about the message of your life being wrong, you will eventually really have victory. It's not that I don't want to sin because it makes me feel bad. 
I don't want to sin because it distorts the greatness of my salvation. It just can't be. I'm telling you, every time you gossip, you just wreck in the minds of others who you are. And I tell you, if you work on the job and say things like that to unsaved people, God help you. You've lost the glorious declaration of the transformation that you have because you're a new man, a new creation in Christ. When you lie, oh, that ought to just grieve you. And uh, when you lose your temper, uh, when you show forth pride, obvious trying to get attention for yourself, it's the opposite. It just is a total uh, contradiction of who you are. That's why, folks, there needs to be in a, in a body of folks like this, this desire to be unapologetically a new man. Isn't it refreshing, frankly, to be in a place where people are training for ministry and people do want to serve the Lord? Isn't it nice not to be afraid to be unapologetically a Christian? You know, it's a blessing, isn't it? Take advantage of that. I'm not talking about piousness. I'm talking about just real excitement about the things of God. Now, how do you develop character that takes advantage of the new man? It's saying yes to Christ every time, and every time you let the flesh have control, realize there was no need for that, and you need to totally get right with God and then you need to confess that to anybody that was affected by it. Listen, if you will, if you will develop the, um, just the, the way of life that anytime you ever gossip, any person that ever heard that, you get that right with. Anything you twisted the truth just a little bit, you ask for forgiveness. You know, that'll cure you real quickly. Anytime you get upset, you apologize to everybody that you got upset with. If you showed irritation and frustration, I'm telling you, if you will develop a solid decision with yourself that any time I do not show the new man, I will get that right. It, the Spirit of God can use that in a great way. You need to develop the character to always say yes to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wins every time. You simply have to say yes. He will put off the old and he will live out the new immediately if you will allow him to do that. And so learn not to think you can get away with it. Listen, if you've got a sullen attitude and you realize, wow, I walked around like a pickle all day, you know. Uh, not that you need to go confessing that to everybody, but you, anybody that's affected by it, you need to say, man, I'm sorry. I was just, I was about myself today. That's horrible. And by the way, being sullen, is that acceptable? Being grouchy, is that acceptable? Uh, having a bad attitude, that's certainly not acceptable, is it? Uh, living in anxiety, is that acceptable? No, none of those things are. And you've got to be thinking, man, what kind of a demonstration of the powerful God that I have am I giving? And so I just, uh, this is more of a little talk than it is a preaching time, but I want you to get hold of this. So let's do a little review. How many have been saved? Okay. All right, what happened? You were born again from above. Okay. 
So that meant that you have been regenerated, given life. So how many of you in your spirit are still spiritually dead? None of you. If you raised your hand, we'll have to work on theology a little bit here. All right. All right. You got it. How many of you are perfectly holy in your spirit? How many of you have God indwelling and united with your spirit? Do you realize what you've just said? All right. So how many of you are a new creation? And every one of us raise our hand again. Okay, I just want you to to get a hold of that. So that means nothing. You know, some of the weaknesses you have, some of the things you're frustrated with yourself, you can have victory. Why are you so afraid of that pea shooter? When you've got God Almighty dwelling in you, that's why you've got to spend time with God. That's why that first 10 minutes, you could realize, man, i got a powerful God. i got a great salvation. What am I down about? This is ridiculous. Man, i got to get back on the ground of victory. This is reality. I believe it. And then you start saying, Lord, make me sensitive. I don't want to give any credence to the old man that I was because I'm not the old man anymore. Yes, I've got the flesh, but my flesh is defeated. If I get angry, I am going to seek forgiveness for that. I am not going to put up with this wrong display of who I am. So I'd like to encourage every one of you. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all encouraged each other today with the reality of Jesus Christ and made a great display of the salvation that we have? Listen, I'm telling you, don't ever get over your salvation. Don't ever get over the wonder of it all, as Gypsy Smith said in that song that came out of that, the wonder of it all. Uh, Keep that fresh. And you know how you keep it fresh? Not just remembering. Live it out. Wow, I didn't say that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I almost got irritated, and I didn't. In fact, I was kind. Glory. It's all right. You go around the corner and go, yes, praise the Lord. And that's good. I mean, whoo, that was good. You almost lied to the teacher, and you didn't. You told the truth. I mean, you look like an idiot, but that's okay. You were honest. You go around the corner and say, yes, praise the Lord. He did it again. See, that makes your salvation exciting. It's ongoing. Man, I was discouraged. Why am I doing big discouraged? That's the flesh. Lord, you are able. I trust you. And uh, all of a sudden, in literally five seconds, your, your attitude changes. Sit down in class and say, praise the Lord. Thank you. This is not exaggeration, folks. That's the salvation you have. Man, let's, let's let this student body live out, be a testimony. We got a great God and a great salvation, and let's let God have control of our hearts. So let's let the atomic power of our God take over. Amen? Amen. Let's get rid of the pea shooter control, okay? Let's, let's get an anti-pea shooter group here, okay? We don't want to give the flesh and Satan any, any leeway at all. We want to see victory. All right, let's stand for a closing word of prayer. Lord, would you work in our hearts? Would you take these simple truths, encourage and bless these young people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.